B. Welcome back to Cover B. Yes, we are coming out of our summer hibernation <laughs> to bring you a real extra, because goddammit, even though we asked Taika Waititi and the people at Marvel to delay the release of Thor until we were back from break, they refused. Shockingly. Yeah. So and we also, we are have a restraining order. <laughs> Don't tell them about that part. It hurts our credibility. <laughs> Marvel headquarters, Kevin Feige, Taika Waititi, <laughs> the person who works in the cafeteria, Marvel headquarters. We're not even supposed to be talking about this movie, to be honest. It's true. <laughs> Fight the man, though. <clears throat> so here we are. We are talking about Thor, Love and Thunder, not to be confused by what I keep calling it, which is Thor, Love and Rockets, because gosh darn, <laughs> I can't get that darn indie book out of my head uh, whenever I think about this movie for some reason. But Thor Love and Thunder is out. Uh, it is the follow-up to Taika Waititi's uh, much-loved uh, Thor Ragnarok. Mm -hmm. It features Thor where we left him at the end of Endgame, wherein he was working with the Guardians of the Galaxy uh, and is flying around doing Guardians of the Galaxy things with them. We are met with a Thor who has experienced much loss and is very introspective, trying to decide what his place in the universe is. And then he is set onto course of a grand quest when he discovers uh, the presence of this person known as Gore the God Butcher, who is determined to wipe out all gods in the galaxy uh, with the aid of uh, the Altar of Eternity, which grants... Whoever finds it, whatever they desire. So uh, that's where we find ourselves. And throughout the whole thing, we are met with a medley of Guns N' Roses songs. Mm -hmm. Gonzo action, bright colors, screaming goats, Korg being funny, and uh, Natalie Portman and Tessa Thompson being absolutely jacked. <laughs> they could literally tear my limbs off. <laughs> With I their bare hands. want them to literally <laughs> tear my limbs off. <laughs> They're so strong. <laughs> so this is probably going to be a quick episode, admittedly. Uh, I don't have a ton to say about this movie, and that is kind of the problem. Um, so we'll probably dive straight into from soonish, like the end of this mini rant. Uh we will dive into stuff that will be more spoilery because it's really hard to not talk about the spoilery stuff um, in general. I will tell you now, for those who don't want the spoilers, it was fine. Uh, it wasn't great. It didn't capture the same uh, thunder that uh, <laughs> Ragnarok did by any means. Uh, I think it tried a little bit too hard to redo Ragnarok. Uh, and there just wasn't a lot that happened. It felt very empty for an MCU movie. Uh, there were highlights. You know, the actors all did great in their roles. Chris Hemsworth Thor is always going to be fun. Uh, Natalie Portman kind of seemed a little checked out. I honestly wasn't a huge fan of her performance uh, as the Mighty Thor. Tessa Thompson did a good job. Um, Korg obviously was hilarious. Christian Bale. Did an amazing job mm -hmm. as Gore the God Butcher. Uh, but overall, the movie is missable. If you want to wait for this one to hit, 
uh, Disney Plus, go for it. Uh, but really not a solid showing for the MCU on this one. It was fairly disappointing. I think you agree, right? Uh-huh. Yeah. So we're going to go ahead and just put up spoiler warning from here on just in case. Because there's so much kind of integrated into this story that we just need to talk about it. Um, so I don't want to have to be worried about dipping in and out of spoiler town. So if you don't want spoilers, you want to go see the movie first, go for it. If you don't mind spoilers, we are starting now. Uh, if you don't want spoilers, you want to know what I thought about it. Easy, like three, four out of 10. It was not very good. It was kind of boring. Um, I probably won't see it again, even when it hits streaming. You know what I mean? Yeah. So that's kind of, that's kind of where I'm at with it. Um, but we're going to talk about it now. So catch you later. Let you know, give them time to leave. Give them time to get their stuff and leave. <laughs> Why are they taking so long? <laughs> all right. I think all the spoiler people are gone. I don't know if there will be, honestly, that many spoilers. I just didn't want to have to be worried about, like, dipping in and out of spoilers. So that's why I put that warning there. But, T, what were your thoughts? <sighs> that is a very heavy sigh of ennui, if you couldn't tell. Mm -hmm. Um... So, let's give a little context here, shall we? Um, the Jason Aaron Mighty Thor run is very near and dear to my mm -hmm. heart. And honestly, it's very near and dear to a lot of people's hearts. Um, I was there before we knew who was the Mighty Thor. I was there when it was the final... Sh it was that shift from the traditional Thor. And mm -hmm. it. I, I was there for it. And I was there the whole time through. And I was there until she became Jane Foster Valkyrie. And I, I was there. I was there. And I loved it. I loved every bit of it. And there is a very specific tone and vibe and heart that is in the Jason Aaron Mighty Thor run. Mm -hmm. there's, there's a very specific emotionally connecting quality mm -hmm. about the story of Jane Foster dying and delay and continuing her her death to help humanity that didn't happen here and mm -hmm. i think that's why i'm one of the yeah. reasons why i'm so triggered by this movie because here's the thing i agree it's fine I mean, there are parts where it's super funny. I mean, Korg is funny, and there's this part with Natalie Portman and uh, Valkyrie, like, booging out to a Bluetooth speaker. And, mm. like, there are parts that are, fun, that are fun and engaging. And, like you said, Christian Bale does a great, you know, God Butcher. And there, there's good parts. But it lacked any level of heart. The mm. emotionality that mm. exists in the Jason Aaron Mighty Thor run, which is what this is loosely inspired on, is not there. You don't care. I I am an emotional little biatch, okay? We watched The Stranger Things season four recently, and I was so hysterically crying, we had to pause the episode so I could go downstairs and take a breath. Mm -hmm. Like, I am an emotional person. I connect very strongly to fictional characters, Maybe I'm empathetic. Maybe I'm a psycho. Either way, I react strongly to things. Spoiler alert. Jane dies. Yeah. 
and I could give two craps. <laughs> yeah. And There's no development. You know, they... That's the, the biggest issue with everything in this movie is that nothing had any depth. Yeah. Nothing had... They didn't explore any depth with anything. They didn't give enough time to certain things. You know, they had all these kind of intense, emotive things. Like, they had one of the more emotive, like, moments in the entire movie is the very beginning when we see Gore's origins. Mm -hmm. We mm -hmm. see him dealing with... And, you know, a character whose whole thing is, you know, the gods are corrupt. The gods will betray you. I am going to remove them from the galaxy is a very intense motivation for a character. Oh yeah. And it can be very, very emotional. It can be very passionate. It can be very powerful, powerful, but it's not given really a lot of time. Mm -mm. And the time that Christian Bale is on screen, he destroys it. There's mm -hmm. a few moments of kind of like overacting, but it fits with the overall vibe vibe of the movie. But he's given barely any time to really flesh out this character. The character himself goes from having reasonable motivations to just your standard corrupted by power kind of character really, really fast. Which I thought was kind of a waste of the character. They at one point decide that the Necro Sword is corrupting Gore. Which, fine. But MC, the MCU's obsession with characters being corrupted and not the ones actually committing things does their villains no justice mm -hmm. you know when you look at thanos thanos was an incredible villain who knew what he was doing mm -hmm. the whole time there wasn't oh the infinity stones are corrupting your mind or anything like that no, he actively made he the knew. choices he made you know loki the times that we've seen him be either villain, anti-hero, or hero, he was in control. He knew what he was doing. He was making these choices. And suddenly when we've got, you know, Scarlet Witch is being corrupted by the Darkhold, LOL. And we've got, <laughs> I don't know if you could hear my eyes rolling. They basically fell off out and of then your head and rolled on the floor. We have, you know, Gore being corrupted by the Necro Sword. Fine. But we weren't given enough time with Gore. We saw his rage and his frustration with the gods. But we weren't given enough time to see this corruption. Or what was corrupting him. Or anything like that. And I get that it was... And this is another thing. If you really like sit down and analyze it, it's obviously a counterpoint to Jane's cancer. And how Jane's power, the hammer, is also corrupting her and killing her. Mm -hmm. Because it's weakening your body against fighting the cancer. Something that was addressed... In the Jason Aaron run of Mighty Thor. But again, that's not given a lot of time. Mm -mm. We get some heavy emotion in the beginning when we first see Jane Foster and we see her dealing with this cancer. But it's done in such a truncated short space. We don't see like a montage of her dealing with it over the years or dealing with it over months. You know, we see an immediate moment of her dealing with it while she's taking chemo. We don't see it really causing her that much chagrin or harm. We don't see instances of it weakening her or causing her physical pain or anything. Nope. And then we see her trying to come up with a solution, which I thought was weird because mm -hmm. she's an astrophysicist who's talking to another astrophysicist about blood samples and can like 
I get fudge science, whatever. Scientists in movies are just scientists yeah. for everything. But yeah, like, right. it's a little hard for me to believe that the woman who built a career off of astrophysics also is also knows. testing her blood for cancer is also like a, what is it, a hematologist yeah. like, for blood. I, I don't know. I, I and then And then it's just boom, hammer. And then we're just smash cut to the hammer. Now she's Thor. And there was no time given to this. And for it to be such a long movie, it just makes you wonder if we could have shortened sections or shortened the movie even. Like, why are you going to keep me here for two hours if I'm not getting any character development? I'm not getting any development of these narrative clauses. Like, you know, I don't feel any emotion. Like, I didn't develop pathos to the Jane situation because she didn't seem like it was that big of a deal. Yep. You know, I, she's got stage four and has this m much time to live, but she kind of just seems like flippant, like, eh, whatever. Yeah. Tea. I, I know. This is something that inherently bothered me, too, because this is another thing that wasn't addressed the way that it was in Jason Aaron run. And that is we have no reason for Jane to be Thor because we have no reason for Jane to be worthy. I get it. She's a great person. She's done a lot for humanity. Cool. But she literally shows up at the broken <coughs> hammer and it comes back together well, for her. And that that entirely bothered me. Right? Because it didn't because we didn't have time to establish that Jane is worthy as in the comics. She's not. The hammer went to her because Thor told it to. We have this flashback of him being like, hey, Mjolnir, protect Jane. I love her. It's so weird. And so Jane rolls up and has cancer, and the hammer's like, oh, she needs me, and then comes together and is now hers. So it's like, in addition to not giving enough time to all these things, we have kind of shot the character down a peg mm -hmm. where she's no longer worthy. She is Thor because her boyfriend let her. Ugh. You and know, I, I think one of the biggest issues, a lot of people have drawn comparisons of this one to Ragnarok because it's Taika, because it's flamboyant, because <clears throat> it is what it is. Here's the issue. And this is this is the apparent. This is the this is the crux of the issue of why this one doesn't work. And Ragnarok did mm. the story of Ragnarok. The theme was built for the story. The style was built for the story. The story was already flamboyant and obnoxious and there there were gladiators and there was, you know, Jeff Goldblum being himself and there was like big grandiose scenes and and but a very truncated story. Mm. So this over the top rock and roll, bright colors, over the top vibe was built to accompany the story that required it. This time around, they took that style and that vibe and that rock and roll over the top behavior and then shoehorned a story into it. Mm -hmm. It didn't work. The yeah. story is not meant to be like that. Yeah. It's supposed to be beautiful. Well, and moreover, you know, we've got two very important Thor stories happening in the same movie. In two hours. Which is rough man like it's it's like there's a whole series dedicated to jane getting the hammer revealing that it's jane you know dealing with thor's jealousy 
finding her own way as a hero. Like that's a whole comic book mm-hmm. series. That's a whole volume of comics. And Gore the God Butcher is also the villain for a whole mm-hmm. volume of Thor comics. <laughs> yep. And so you have these two really weighty things that of course fans are going to go in wanting a lot of duty to and then they get like nothing they get you know jane foster's thor is kind of treated more humorously of her coming up with catchphrases and stuff it's not really her trying to be a hero she's just trying to like feel the rush of being thor and she just wants to smash things and things like that and you know, Natalie Portman did a fine job. She did seem a little checked out. Like, I, there were a few moments where I was like, I don't know if she's really playing to everyone else yeah. involved. But that was kind of a general, a systemic thing in this movie is everyone was kind of just doing their own thing. Yeah. And you and I talked about it afterward. And, like, one thing you brought up, which is a great point, is it felt like the, you know, you talk about how the story of... Ragnarok was very contained because they were just stuck on this planet and Mm -hmm. it was about him trying to get off this planet and all the challenges that came in his way. Um, Whereas with this one, I feel like it was this like very open, very grandiose setting with an overly simple plot, like an overly simple goal. Like the, the end goal was just like, we're going to go here kill this guy and that's it and they make various mention of that like every time they're like sitting and talking they're just like yeah and then we go here and we kill him done and that's the whole movie is that way there's no like they have one moment where they're like we're gonna go to omnipotent city and we're gonna build an army and then when that doesn't work it's just like oh well we go here there's no plan b there's no like adjustment to the plan i feel like the movie would have been better if it had been about them building up like a group you know what i mean like let's get a group together and let's go around and find all these and then he finds hercules and hercules joins and this person this person this person or whatever like at least then it would have felt like it had some sort of direction that was more than just like a very simplified a to b that somehow takes two hours to get to and had just a bunch of like random failures in the middle because it's Mm -hmm. like we go to omnipotent city well we don't get an army all right well let's keep going so we go to this other place oh well he kicks the butts like kicks our butts like Mm -hmm. just wipes the floor with us kicks the butts well now we're down two people okay well thor's just gonna go do it by himself then like there's no adjustment there's no forward momentum and there doesn't feel like there's any stakes because at no point is it like I don't know if we can achieve mm-hmm. this. It's always just, oh, well, we'll just do it now instead. It's Why an didn't extremely, we do it before? It, yeah. It's so weird. It's an extremely story-driven narrative. Like, it, it, things happen because they're supposed to, because they need to. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, Thor, like, <laughs> one thing that bothered me, this is nitpicky probably, this is probably like, but it kind of feeds into this whole idea that the, the entire thing is story driven stuff people end up in places and stuff happens because of course it does because it has to right and maybe i missed the detail here and i can be corrected but like one thing that bothered me is there's this whole concept of the altar of eternity eternity exists at the center of the universe first person that gets to him gets whatever they want right 
gets to them, gets whatever they want. Uh, Gore has been trying to get there for a long time and finally figured out how to get there and through research and digging and artifacts figured out that the Bifrost is the key. Okay. Which is weird because the Bifrost used to come out of a turret and now just comes out of Stormbreaker, which I don't know when that got established, but here we are. Um, so the, this ancient altar that's been in the center of the universe since the beginning of time can only be opened by something that at one point was on a turret activated by Heimdall's sword <laughs> in Valhalla, but is now conveniently located in an axe. I don't know. It's weird, but that's not the point. Uh, the point is, like T said, butts get kicked. Jane and Valkyrie are down. You know, they're they're injured. They're not able to join Thor as he goes. Gore is headed to the center of the universe, to the altar. Thor is headed there. How the hell does Thor know where to go? Yeah. If if because my assumption was that this was something to find, right? Right. Because if there's just this thing in the center of the universe, in a universe with gods everywhere and celestial beings all over the place, Loki's been rolling around this bee for millennia, <laughs> and he at no point was like, oh, I can just go to this spot that apparently everyone knows exists and get whatever I want. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, it's, it's at a what strange point, plant. Yeah. Like, so it's not hidden. It's everyone knows there's literally a quote unquote center of the universe and everyone knows where this altar is. So you can just roll up and be like, yeah, I'm here now. But you couldn't open the random doors without the <clears throat> Bifrost, I guess. Yeah. And so like have no, just no, like no Asgardians been there and clearly seen the very obvious like Bifrost symbol on the altar. Also, why is the Bifrost related to this random but ancient like, thing? Yeah, I don't know. It's it's weird. <laughs> and it's that's my thing is it's like it these elements all just exist because they have to. Like there's Deus never sex narration. Yeah, there's never <laughs> there's never any question of like, oh well, why has no one gone to eternity before? Because they've clearly established when they first bring it up, it's not like Anyone who comes to eternity gets this. It's the first person to reach him. Yeah. Gets whatever they want. Yeah. Why has no one done it before? <laughs> millennia of creatures and entities have existed. Like millennia and eons of creatures and entities of great power and science and intellect have existed in the MCU. And no one's Thanos didn't think to. Like, why didn't Thanos know about it? Why didn't he know about, let me go to the center of the universe and talk to Eternity and be like, hey, Eternity, make the universe infinitely balanced. You why, know? instead of becoming a gamer, did Thor not go after Thanos had snapped everyone and yeah. undo it? And, uh, you know... <laughs> and that's another thing, too, is, like, every bit of lore that gets brought up, everyone knows it. Everyone, like, Thor knows about the Necrosword. Thor knows about the center of the universe. And Zeus knows about the center of the universe. Valkyrie knows. And Valkyrie knows. And it's just like, okay, well, why is no one doing this? Anything. So, I don't know. It's, it's, everything happens in this movie just because it needs to. And not for any, like, reasonable. Logical. Sensical reason. It's just like, 
oh, this is, yeah, we're going to go fight Gore. And then, like, oh, we need to break the Necro Sword. Okay, well, me hitting it with my hammer will work this time. You know, and it's, like, because you're holding it and convenience. And then Gore gets convinced to bring his daughter back and hand his daughter over to the gods that have been beating him up for days to gods when his whole thing is like the gods suck and need to be gotten rid of instead of wishing the gods go away i'm going to die and wish my daughter lived and then give her over to gods like i don't but he does it just because just because it of course he has to thor doesn't say anything convincing or do anything convincing or prove him otherwise. Thor doesn't say anything at all. Jane is like, she'll be taken care of. Well, but she's yeah. dying. And the <laughs> literal the literal last thing that Thor did that was like godly, that Gore witnessed, is show up and empower a bunch of children to fight <laughs> for him while he goes over here and does his own. Th- so he puts a bunch of children in danger and then is like, hey... Gore, I'll take care of your daughter. Let me raise your kid for you. Who he then goes and puts in danger. But anyway, I it. <laughs> oh God, you guys! It took on too many things yeah. in too short a time period, so nothing got any fleshed out, any logic. Yeah, everything just happened to get to an endpoint. <laughs> well, I think the big issue is that it was trying to recapture the vibe of Ragnarok. And Guardians of the Galaxy. And these movies that tend to take a more lighthearted stance with things. But when you compare this to like Guardians of the Galaxy 2, which took on some darker themes, or how the Guardians of the Galaxy were treated in uh, Infinity War and Endgame, right. with these like darker tones, and then you look at this, it looks like it took on these story arcs that needed to be dark and needed to be treated with this like emotional weight. With like respect. But it was afraid to because it was afraid it would take away. They were afraid it would take away from the Ragnarokiness. Yeah. The rock and roll, he- the heavy metal, neon, like silliness yeah. of this. And so they just didn't ever really go there. You know, they didn't really address what it's like being someone who wants to wipe out the gods. It didn't really address what it's like being someone who's dying of cancer and finally finds this thing that makes them feel better. But it's also killing them. You know what I mean? Like, there's a lot of really heavy emotional stuff, emotional conversations and emotional narratives that go in with both of these story arcs. But they're unwilling to take either one anywhere beyond the surface. Yeah. You know, even like Thor dealing with loss and dealing with the loss of his brother and the loss of his father and the loss of his mother and the loss of Jane and loss, 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 loss. Even Thor dealing with that is treated as just like a joke. And he's basically over it two minutes into the movie. Yeah. And it's this. Like, I wonder if they were too worried about taking away from the fun and then that's fine. But maybe then don't do these story arcs. 
Maybe we have to accept that we don't get Jane Foster Thor. Maybe we have to accept that we don't get Gore the God Butcher. Both fan favorites, but if you're not willing, now what we have is these two fan favorite things done poorly. That's one of the things that makes me suspicious that there was miscommunication between the creators and the producers. Mm -hmm. It felt to me like the production team were like, okay, Natalie Portman agreed to sign on, so we got to do Jane Foster Thor. Also, we want to do a big bag because we didn't have one for like this, you know, we felt weird about doing Doctor Strange and having Scarlet Witch be our big bad, so we need like a real big bad. So let's do Gore the God Butcher because that's a good one. And Christian yeah. Bale signed on. So let's do these big storylines. Yeah. But we want to keep Taika and Taika's like, I want to make fun movie where I'm silly Korg and it's great and it's fun. That's what I want to make. And they were like, okay, well, you have to do these storylines. And he's like, well, I'm not changing my style for y'all. Yeah. And then it just didn't, it didn't work. Yeah. There was no and, give. You know, don't get me wrong. Like everyone involved in the movie clearly worked hard on it and of they course. did a good job with what they had, but it just, there was some dissonance somewhere. And I love Taika Waititi and I love his movies and I love his shows. I'm excited for the Star Wars stuff that he's going to be putting out. Yeah. But this was just a miss. It just did not work. There was not enough time, weight, thought, detail put into any element of this movie. It's got, ugh, I hate saying this out loud, but it's got big Spider-Man 3, oops, we ruined Venom vibes. <laughs> yeah. It's, yeah. It's like, because guys, I defended Morbius. I defended it's Morbin time. <laughs> and I... I can't defend this I, one. Yeah. I mean, there were highlights for me. The one thing that I think superhero movies have gotten down because it's constantly the highlights is the fight sequences. Oh, yeah. Really, really cool. The I liked the art design of a lot of things. Yep. Uh, Russell Crowe's Zeus was hilarious. It's a good moment. Funny, but... Kind of pointless. Yeah. The, um, the, the, the appearances, the surprise guests, meh. Yeah. Personally. Uh, but then there was just not, there was not enough. There was just not enough. It was a whole lot of sprinkles without it's, a whole yeah. lot of cake. <laughs> you know, it's one of those movies that unsurprisingly you have people defending it by saying, you just got to turn your brain off. It's a comedy. Comedies can elicit thought. They can elicit emotions. They should. They if should you, still be cohesive. If you have to turn your brain off, i.e. don't be any ounce of critical to a movie, and that means it's a bad movie. Yep. You shouldn't have to turn your brain off for anything unless you're talking like, and this is no offense to the gentle minions, but like a minion movie, like a movie that's supposed to be like just slappy and fun. And Meanwhile, I've heard the rise of Gru is spectacular. Yeah. <laughs> like, sure. Like kids stuff doesn't have to be brainless, but like you kind of go in expecting it. You know what I mean? I mean, that's that's unfair. I mean, I've been a proponent of making kids stuff more thoughtful. So I guess I'm taking pot shots against myself here. But and I don't know. The, I, I, the I don't feel like you should. I, yeah, I don't feel like you should have to turn your brain off and be completely 100 percent uncritical for anything. I yeah. don't think like that just means it's bad. It yep. means it's lacking in substance. Yep. Like, don't tell people, oh, just turn your brain off. Maybe turn your brain more on. <laughs> more on. Um, no, no offense to people who like this movie, but it's just. It was a you big disappointment. You for shouldn't me. have to turn your brain off. 
if if you can't think critically like if thinking critically is the key to liking or disliking a movie then your movie has no substance you know it's what it is um in credits missable yeah if you go see this in the theaters feel free to leave uh they introduce hercules which i mean you only see him for a little bit but really looks like we're gonna have a boring boring hercules just from zeus is like go get him hercules or hercules is like i'll do it dad and that's like okay cool we get like boring i do whatever zeus tells me to hercules for some reason even though that's not been a Hercules that we ever get in media because that's not Hercules A and B that sucks. Uh, <laughs> and then the other one is Jane Foster makes a Devalhalla. Cool. Maybe we will get a Jane Foster Valkyrie, but I think trying to get Natalie Portman involved in this movie was hard enough. So I doubt they're going to try that again. So three out of 10. Gotta say. Oh, and no. There was no Angela. Yeah, no Angela. No, don't expect any other, like, really interesting surprise characters. Because no Beta Ray Bill, no Angela. The cameos were lackluster. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I mean, it, it falls into the same trap that the MCU's falling into, where they do some fan service shings, and then nothing of substance. Yeah, I'm so you know? glad that instead of somebody like Angela or Beta Ray Bill, we got the <clears throat> god of dumplings or whatever. Oh, don't. Be trash talking Bao. I mean, he's adorable. Bao's adorable. But he took up so much time. Everything took up time. Okay, I'm going to get complaining again. So let's just. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> Thor loving rockets. I hate bringing negative reviews to you guys. I really, really do, especially for like the big hyped ones. But this is probably the lowest point of the like, I, I think this is going to be Thor 2 for the lowest point of the MCU. It's just not entertaining. I'd rather watch Eternals again because at least it was different. Yeah. At least it tried. Eternals tried something new. It had character development in some characters. You know, it it. Tried. It went there. It was weird and funny, and the chemistry between the people was interesting. And here we have this movie where nothing is interesting, and everyone's just kind of doing their own thing. And everything's a joke. Yeah. Anyway, go out and see it if you want. I would say if you're curious, just wait for it to get to Disney Plus like next week because, good lord, Disney puts things on Disney Plus <laughs> very, very fast. Uh, if you want more episodes of Cover B, uh, including some reviews that we've done for movies that are actually positive, you can find them on our website, coverbpodcast.com. That's right. If you uh, want to follow us on social media, you can do so on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok at Cover B Podcast. We are posting some fun stuff during our summer break, things from the archives, so make sure you go and check mm -hmm. those out. And we'll be on summer break until August. This mm -hmm. is the only real episode that we're going to be putting out this month unless we happen to read a comic that like changes the game then we'll like rush and do an episode really <laughs> fast uh but we'll see you guys in august otherwise yes. and thank you again for listening as always i have been chris this has been t it's true and you have been listening to, to cover, cover b. b bye everybody